Hey everybody, this is Jay Real, and thanks for tuning in to the Real Deal Podcast, presented by eBodyboarding.com and Tribe Boards. On today's episode, and he pushed me into this wave. I was terrified, but I remember just screaming down the face of this wave, more speed than I had ever had in my life. Hey fans and friends, Jay Real from eBodyboarding.com to present to you something I've been thinking about doing for a long time. This is the very first Real Deal podcast. And you might ask, what is the Real Deal podcast? Well, I was a pro bodyboarder from uh, 1987 to 1998, and during that time, I had the privilege of traveling around the world and competing with and against some of the best riders in the sport, some of the pioneers in the sport, and I have stories galore. Now, I've been on other podcasts. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. They're all fantastic, and some good friends of mine do them, um, but I have a lot of stories I want to tell, and I thought this was the perfect venue to relay some of those stories. So where do we start with the Real Deal podcast? I suppose the place to start is at the beginning, my beginning, just to give you a little bit of background about myself. Um, so let's get straight into it. Um, to start out, I was born and raised in uh, a place called Rockville, Maryland. It's a suburb of Washington, D.C., about two and a half hours inland from the beach. So not really uh, conducive to learning how to bodyboard. So as a result of that, I really um, grew up as an inland kid doing the normal sports that most kids do, you know, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, and so forth. Uh, and when I was a kid, we would go on our annual one-week vacation to Ocean City, Maryland. That was kind of the closest beach, and we'd go with a bunch of other families down to Ocean City for a week every year. Um, of course, you know, like most kids, I'd play in the ocean on rafts and just swimming, body surfing. This was the 70s, you know, so boogies were just invented. They weren't even on the market at that point. So around um, 19, probably 75, my family decided that we really liked being at the beach and we bought a condo down at the beach. So that enabled us to spend the summers uh, in Ocean City or at least maybe a month or month and a half down at the beach. So we would go down to Ocean City and stay in the condo. My dad would commute back and forth to work. He worked in Washington, D.C., um, and I would ride rafts. I remember I was really into the whole raft thing, and I had a, a raft with a Budweiser logo on it. I thought that was the coolest thing on the planet, <laughs> my Budweiser raft. And there was another kid whose family also owned a condo down there. His name was Lee. And I remember that, um, you know, he and I would spend our days kind of goofing around in the ocean. But one day in particular, Lee's dad took us out on a day that, you know, at the time to me probably seemed like it was six to eight feet, <laughs> but it was probably like two feet. Uh, and real just stuck with me. And I thought this this is something I want to keep doing. <laughs> I want to keep getting that thrill and getting that rush. So. Uh, fast forward uh, a couple years later, later, my family bought a house and we sold the condo. So now we had a little more roots in Ocean City. We would spend the entire two and a half month summer down in Ocean City. My poor dad, com again, commuting to work. He would kind of spend the week 
back inland and then come down for the weekends while my mom and my brother and sister and I would enjoy the beach. So my parents uh, decided to uh, get these beach stands. So in Ocean City, every block, uh, they sort of auction off these parcels and people can um, bid money. And if you win the bid, you get that block for the summer and you put a box, a big wooden box on it. You put rental stuff in there, which consisted of chairs, umbrellas, and rafts. And you have to rent out to the tourists, you know, for the day or the week or the hour, um, those things. So I got my first job working my, one of my parents' beach stands. They had a, a three of them. So I worked one and the job basically entailed me at 13 years old going down there, opening the box, setting up some umbrellas, rafts, and chairs against the box or next to the box, and then waiting for the tourists to come down and rent them. And they would usually rent them for the whole day, and they'd come down. I'd open at 9 a.m. They'd rent them out, and then you'd basically just have to sit there and wait for the day to end so you could wait for them to bring it back. But you couldn't just check out because some people would rent stuff for the hour. Um, a lot of people would rent rafts, for example, just for an hour. So, you know, if I saw a period of time where it wasn't that busy, there was a kid at the beach stand next to me named Richie, and he was into riding the rafts too. And we, by that time, we had the really heavy-duty rafts at the beach rental stand. They were the, the canvas ones, and they were made by Converse. They were super gnarly rafts, and that uh, canvas material was not friendly on the chest, stomach, and nipples. Trust me, man. <laughs> Many a, a day I came home with rash beyond belief, and they didn't have rash guards back then. This is the late 70s. Um, so anyway, Richie showed me how to turn across the wave instead of just going straight in in the whitewash, and... I, it was an epiphany for me. I, I remember my first barrel bottom turning on the right and just pulling into this wave that just jacked over me. And I was in the tube for a second before it closed out, but I, I will never forget the vision that I got of that barrel and it stuck with me. And I thought, that's it, man. I'm a wave rider. This is what I want to do. Um, around not long after that, um, bodyboards came out. And the rental business in Ocean City now that we're moving into the late 70s, you know, was always looking for the next best thing. And because rafts were a bit of a hassle, you had to inflate them and they would sometimes, um, you know, blow up in the sun and uh, pop when customers would ride them up one of the shells on the beach. They were a hassle, so they had to be replaced frequently. Well, bodyboards basically offered an option that didn't pop. You know, it, it was uh, smaller, so you could store more of them in the beach box, and they were cheaper than rafts at that time. Um, so my brother got one. My family got a few just to test them out. My brother got one and kind of took to it. He got really pretty good at it. And I'll never forget the summer of 79. Uh, he said, hey, why don't you take this out? So I paddled out on the bodyboard. It was a Squirt brand, I think, not a Mori brand. <laughs> it was another brand called Squirt. And I took that thing out, and I was like, this, this is insane. I want to do this. Uh, I want to do this a lot. So <laughs> I started seeking out uh, swim fins, and I – 
managed to get a pair of swim fins, Churchill Makapoo fins, which were, there was basically two brands of fins back in those days. There were duck feet or Churchill Makapoos that were marketed to body surfers and bodyboarders. So I went with the uh, Churchills and I started rafting. I was like raft king, you know, for a couple of years while I ran that beach stand. So eventually, um, uh, Christmas of 79, because that was the first year I rode the boogie board and I got really excited about it. That Christmas, I asked for a bodyboard and a wetsuit for Christmas because I already had the fins. So sure enough, that Christmas, my parents gave me my first bodyboard, which was a Mori Proline Red Edge, which was the state-of-the-art board at the time, man. I was super stoked because I got basically what was considered the best board on the market at the time. I remember seeing an ad of Keith Sasaki riding it and thinking, man, this dude rips. I'm on this board, so maybe I can rip <laughs> like this guy someday. So uh, I put quickly put two skegs on the thing, and that was it, man. I was totally in. And now by this time, my family... Uh, had decided we were going to permanently move to the beach, to Ocean City. And I was uh, in 10th grade that year, 1979, 1980. And, you know, most people would grow up with their friends all their lives and be bummed to leave them for the last two years of high school. But not me, man. I could not wait to get to the beach and live at the beach and paddle out in the water bodyboarding every day. So, um we moved to Ocean City after I finished 10th grade in June of 1980, and that was it, man. I was in the water. If it was rideable, I was out there every day, and I got all the wetsuit gear. I started working at my parents' bakery and sub shop. They had a couple of stores by then um, that they had bought and gotten rid of the beach stands, and I would save my money. I bought wetsuit, gloves, booties, so I could uh, bodyboard year-round in Ocean City. And I was fully committed. Now, that summer, summer of 1980, uh, Maury bodyboards, under the, uh, the, the direction of Patty Serrano, who was their marketing and promotions person, was doing this tour up and down the East Coast with some of the top pro riders of the day. And they were coming to Ocean City. So, you know, I was just eating up anything to do with bodyboarding at that point because I was brand new to the sport. And the sport, quite honestly, was brand new. So uh, I saw a poster saying, Mori Boogie Challenge and Contest. Come down on Saturday and we're going to have our pro riders do a demo day. And then Sunday you can enter this contest and, you know, see if you learned anything by watching the demo. And it was all free and fun. So I show up on Saturday. This is in July of 1980. And the waves are actually really good. Like in the summer on the East Coast, it's pretty rare to have a really good offshore clean day with some surf. Um, but that day was all of those things. So I went to the beach where they were having the thing, and this other kid shows up, and he's younger than me, but he's really into bodyboarding too, and his name was Mark Thomas. You may know him nowadays as Buckwheat. That's his nickname, and he's all over social media in the bodyboarding world. Um, so that's when we started kind of bodyboarding together, and his brother Scott, by the way, too. 
who was younger than him. So Mark was about four years younger than me. So I was 16 and he would have been 12. And we just fully showed up and got super into it. We were so excited to see these people from California who came to our little hometown in Maryland with their pro riders, who, by the way, consisted of Tony Prince and Roger Waller, who are still friends of mine today, I'm proud to say. Uh, and those guys paddled out and they were doing amazing stuff we couldn't even fathom, you know, because there were no magazines or videos back then. So we really didn't know what could be done on the bodyboard. And Tony was out there doing rollos and I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, how is he defying gravity? He's going upside down on a boogie board. What the heck is going on here? So that really threw fuel on my fire to want to dive headlong even further into the sport so fortunately everything kind of conspired together that year because the eastern surfing association under the under the direction at our local district of jeff and kathy phillips added what they called a boogie division um, because they could see that this sport was going to explode so they were one of the first districts back in the east coast to add that so uh, me and any other bodyboarder in town, including Mark and Scott Thomas, we all entered the boogie division in the first event, which I think was in September of that year. And uh, I think I got third place in the first event. And then I ended up winning the second event and so on and so forth. So that's kind of started my competitive career as a bodyboarder in 1980. And I was just super amped on the sport, man. I just wanted to, you know immerse myself full blown into bodyboarding. So I would read if I ever saw a picture of a bodyboarder in a surf magazine, because occasionally surfer and surfing would put a tiny little photo of, you know, Ben Severson or Pat Caldwell or JP Patterson, Jack Lindholm, you know, uh, Keith Sasaki, you'd see it catch a little glimpse. I would study those pictures. I'd study their body position, their hand position on the board, you know, the, how the water was flowing over their legs and swim fins and all that stuff. Man, I was super analytical because I wanted to get better at the sport. And at the time, as I said, no videos, no magazines. You had nothing to learn from except just going out and, and, and experimenting and looking at the occasional still photo. So uh, so anyway, I competed uh, in the ESA uh the 1980 81 i was still in high school uh and in 1982 i graduated high school and um i competed in the eastern surfing championships for that year that was the first year they added a bodyboard division again called it the boogie division so i show up in cape hatteras north carolina and it's time for the boogie division. This is a big deal because it's the best people from all up and down the East Coast, right? And bodyboarding was new, and not every district in the, on the East Coast had a bodyboarding division. Maybe about one-third of them did. Um, so anyway, I show up. I had no idea what my ability level was in comparison to other people on the East Coast. I didn't know if I was, like, the best or the worst or somewhere in between. No clue whatsoever. So I show up, and... There was basically a two six-man semifinal heats and top three advanced, and then you have a six-man final. So 
we get down there and they call us up for our jerseys right before the semifinal. And I'm thinking, I'm so nervous, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to make a fool out of myself or what's, you know, what's going to happen here? So right then the contest director comes up to us and he says, okay, look, here's the deal. This is the first year we've ever had the, you know, this boogie division. And, uh, you know, you guys, here's the rules. Um, you guys have to – you can't stand up or knee ride. you got to lay down on the board. That's the main rule. And then, you know, top three waves count. I tuned him out after I heard what he said, the, fir- the first thing he said, because half of my repertoire was like knee rides, headstands. I had all these wacky moves. And I thought, man, this is just blowing half my repertoire here. What am I going to do? Like right before I'm paddling out for the heat. So – I think to myself, well, you're, you're screwed. <laughs> and there's this, there's, there's this, uh, you know, these other guys here. And one of them didn't have fins on. He was just going to paddle out and stand up on the board. And it was, of all people, Kelly Slater. Yes, Kelly. Uh, at the time I was 18, he would have been nine or 10 years old. And his whole, he was a really good surfer, but he entered the boogie division because he could stand up on a bodyboard. And so his whole repertoire was thrown out the window. So anyway, uh, we paddle out there, we catch waves. I'm doing every prone maneuver I could do rollos, spins, um, headstands, <laughs> which I figured, ah, that's a gray area. Maybe they'll let me do that. Um, and I managed to advance through to the final, as did Kelly, and another friend of mine named Marco also made the final. Um, so all of us met in the final. Long story short, uh, I took first, Kelly Slater took second, <laughs> my friend Marco, I think, got third, and Sean Slater, Kelly's brother, I think he got fourth. So I did beat Kelly at a wave riding contest. Not many people can say that. <laughs> Um, so that's my claim to fame. So that was 82. After that contest in 82, Maury uh, had um, announced they were going to do a pipeline international bodyboard contest. And they wanted the best riders from each area of the world. So because I was East Coast champion, I got an invite to compete at Pipeline, and I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Now, at the time, I had picked up a sponsor of my local surf shop called BB Bombers Surf Shop. Jack Crosby and Mike Heyman were kind enough uh, in 1980, 81 to give me a kind of fledgling sponsorship, which basically consisted of stickers and T-shirts and discounts, which was absolutely amazing to me at the time you know oh my god i'm sponsored and these guys were hooking me up big time they're introducing me to people in in the industry as well um so i was able to pick up you know like a wetsuit sponsor and so forth um and so i got this invite to pipeline and i didn't really have the money to buy the plane ticket so i thought man i'm just gonna have to work my bones off here to earn enough money, um, to go, you know? And at the time I was a freshman in college now at a place called Salisbury state college. It's now called Salisbury university. Um, so in any case, um, you know, I was going to college, but I had a month off for Christmas break. So 
I thought, okay, I get the time to go to Hawaii. The, the event was actually right before Christmas. The, the waiting period was something like December 20th to the 24th. It was literally like a four-day waiting period. So um, fortunately, my shop sponsor, BB Bombers, Jack, gave me a wad of cash one day, and he said, here, buy a plane ticket to Hawaii. I was like, oh, my, you know, what do you, what do you say to that, man? I mean, it's just insane. So Jack gives me this wad of cash and I was working. So I had saved some money. I was able to buy a plane ticket. Now, Maury's deal for that was if you get there to Hawaii, we will pay for everything else. We will cover um, your accommodation. We'll pick you up at the airport. We'll even give give you food. Now, that is a whole nother story, which which I'll get into when we continue in episode two. But I think for now, that's where we're going to end the very first Real Deal podcast. So I hope you uh, enjoyed this. Please like it below. If you did, feel free to type in some comments. And I will be uh, reaching out to you guys for um, feedback on other stuff, other ideas that I have in the future. So that's it for today's Real Deal podcast episode numero uno november 2020 thanks for watching guys